Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino. Quick reminder for our listeners that during season three, we are practicing social distancing, so the audio might sound a little bit different. Today, my guest is UFCVM alumni, Dr. Stephanie Jones, co-owner and medical director of the Animal Hospital of Fort Lauderdale and CEO and founder of Pets Help the Heart Heal. Dr. Jones, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to hear about your journey through veterinary medicine. So you're an alumni of UF. What year did you graduate? I graduated in 1999. What was it like in vet school in 1999, do you think, compared to vet school today? What do you think are some of the big differences? Oh, my gosh. So it's like, oh, that was such a long, long time ago. But I definitely think that things have changed as I listen to new grads come in and vet students that I talk with. Um, I, I find that for me in our school, and we were talking about this just recently, we were such a close-knit family. Um, and I, I feel like that's been carried with me throughout my course in life. Um, I had a group of classmates that I am still currently friends with. So we, we took that journey and that struggle together. Um, we were constantly there. We were a close-knit unit. We were supporting and encouraging of each other. And I'm not saying that's, what, that's not going on now. I'm just speaking from when I was there. Um, I do feel like there are many benefits that have been added um, through the curriculum now. I hear a lot of um, more role-playing, more business, more um, making sure your, your mind is secure, well-being, you know, those things were, are being focused on more, whereas I don't feel that we had that part. I hope all vet students get to have the experience that you had with your cohort of being a family. Okay, so Dr. Jones, you work at the Animal Hospital of Fort Lauderdale. What kind of animals are you seeing there? Um, are you considered a small animal general practitioner? What is your day-to-day -day job like? So I am considered a small animal uh, general practitioner. We see primarily dogs and cats. But when I got there, which is quite interesting, the owner at the time and my mentor she was, she showed dogs. So she was really big in the show circuit. And so she had a special interest in reproductive medicine. And I knew nothing about that. And I was like, okay, but it was, it was, it was her niche. It was part of um, her, her platform. And so she taught me about reproductive medicine. So ironically enough, we do I do a lot of C-sections. Um, I do a lot of uh, insemination. And I'm a fertility specialist at the end of the day. When, we, when I first started there, we were seeing some exotics. I remember getting out and we were cheap. The skunk population was a big fad at that time um, in 99. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't even understand what in the world is going on, but I learned. 
And so we, we saw that, but then that kind of trended out. And so now we're just dogs and cats. Uh, I'm not familiar with the skunk fad. So are you telling me that people were keeping skunks as pets? What the heck is going on there? Absolutely they were. And it, and it wasn't just one. And so at that time, and once again, I don't know if things have changed, but they came for their skunk vaccines. And the skunk vaccine was you got a dog vaccine one, one time, then you came back and you got a cat vaccine. And it was those, it was the dog distemper, parvo, the cat feline distemper. And then, and we had to alternate. I remember that so clearly um, for a series protocol. And then after that, I really didn't see them after that. So it was just when they were getting these new baby skunks. And, and then I was perfectly fine with it until I was doing my research about them. And they were, and what I read, and it, it sticks to me like it was yesterday. They were like, don't eat chicken or don't eat meat and have that smell or scent on your fingers because they could potentially take your fingers off. And I don't know where I found that resource, but it sticks to me like it was yesterday. So even though I did the work, I was a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> at the time. That's great news. Like, do, were they being serious that the scent would take off with the chicken? Was that, was that legit research? I, it was. It was one of the little handouts and, and, um, <laughs> and it was crazy. And, um, well, you know, the whole, this whole idea of this skunk fad is really interesting. Did not see that coming. I feel like veterinarians often have really unique stories funny stories animals are funny funny things happen i'd also like to ask about the fertility piece so what let's let's get ethical if my thought is so let's say someone is not an animal person and they think animals are supposed to be left to do their own thing let nature take its course if a dog let's go with dogs, can't get pregnant or have fertility issues. What are your thoughts on the difference between nature taking its course and a veterinarian stepping in to help make that pregnancy happen and come to term and be successful? So I love what you said about nature taking its course. And so ironically enough, that is who I am. I am willing to put in the work and do the work and come up with some ideas. And most of the times it's, it's a matter of either their dog has already gotten pregnant or there are some breeds that they just unfortunately can't do the work, do the action and they need assistance. And so when I communicate to those clients, I'm saying, I'm going to use my knowledge as a veterinarian to help guide this process. But at the end of the day, I say it's in God's hands, it's in nature's hands, you know, and, 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 and I don't waver on that at all. So we're going to work this thing, but if it happens, it happens. If it's not, you might need to spay that dog. And I do feel that clients respect that statement at the end. Some might, but that's who I am. And one of the things that I will say is that I am true all day, every day. Some clients like that, some don't, and you have to be okay with that for um, vet students. Oh, I feel like we could unpack this all day because students have to learn 
what their boundaries are in vet med, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do, stick with their convictions, maybe make clients unhappy, but at the end of the day, you have to feel confident in who you are as a doctor. And like you mentioned earlier, we're trying to give students that more well-rounded education with mental health and wellness, but also that confidence piece of feeling comfortable with what they're gonna do. So I appreciate the belief that, okay, we have this medicine and these tools and techniques that we can use, but we're only gonna take it so far until it's time for this owner to make a decision. So I love that. Okay, let's talk about, you have stayed at your practice for 20 years. That is older than some of the folks listening to the podcast right now. So can you tell me why you think you've stayed in one location for so long when maybe the trend for this generation is to hop around from place to place? Talk to us about that staying power. The staying power, kind of came in the fact that when I first started there, so I had a um, employer who welcomed my help, my assistance. And I, at that time, looking back, I felt like she was actually grooming me for whatever to come, you know? And whether that was I was gonna move on or not, and she allowed me to help that practice grow. And, and then it's not just me, uh, the other two associates that are there, one of them is still there with me. So if I'm 21 years, she's 22, 24. And it's that same thing as vet school. We became family. I mean, I'm hearing a theme of, we've, I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing the theme of family because you talked about that for vet school. You had that family, that close-knit group. So you're also having that in your practice. And the fact that you got to grow, be innovative. Now you're the co-owner and medical director. It's To me, it sounds like it, it's not a stagnant 21 years. You've been doing so much innovating, growing. So students should recognize what values do they have and will that practice embrace those values. So if someone has the value of being a leader, being a teacher, getting innovative, growing, all of those things, and they recognize that in the practice owner, that's something they want to embrace. Are we telling our audience, find the place that's gonna allow you to grow and embrace your values, and that will help them see if they like where they're at? I think so. Well, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen at every place. And I, this was my second uh, place and I ended up, you know, the first one didn't work out so well. So I do, you're, you do have to figure out, you know, who you are, your foundation, your core values personally, and then find a place that, that taps into that and do a self, a self check once a year. Oh, I love that. A self-check once a year. That's a good idea. And that seems very manageable for people who are like, oh, I can't do this all the time. But once a year is totally manageable. What is What would a self-check for you look like every year? So I guess the self-check would be, am I still growing and learning? Are there opportunities for me to do that? Are they still willing to listen to me in terms of those things that I'm bringing to the table? Um, are they, am I... Am I still happy getting up, going to work every day? 
Um, am I providing outlets for myself or are there opportunities to provide outlets for myself? If things are starting to stagnate out, what am I creating for myself to rejuvenate me? Okay, so audience, go ahead and make a checklist for your once a year check. Are you feeling fulfilled? Do you still like getting up and going to work in the morning? Do you have opportunities to create? If things are feeling stagnant, are you finding something outside of work that will give you joy, to give you energy? Maybe are you doing some continued education classes? All of that, put it in your calendar for once a year to do a self check. Dr. Jones, let's talk about pets helping the heart heal. What is it? I'm assuming it's a whole nother family that you have. So tell me about that organization and that movement. We created a whole event for foster care kids to come to the animal hospital and see the day in the life of a veterinarian. And our core values are educate, uplift, and inspire. So everything that we do is going to educate, uplift, and inspire you. So each exam room had an objective to educate from the pet exam to learning about toxic plants and animals in your, or um, things in your household to reviewing x-rays, trying to figure out what they, this particular animal ate to dressing up as a surgeon and assisting in a mock surgery. Um, and in between that are puppy love sessions. So you, those kids have an opportunity to sit in a corner. We have a romper room. And so we had clients, they were volunteering all over to share in this experience. So the clients brought in their pets and I loved, it was all different breeds, all different ages. So if that particular child needed to laugh their eyes out because this puppy was running around and licking them in the face or doing that, that's what they needed. If that, per, if that child was quiet and just needed to sit in the corner with an older dog and just pet him because we are, have that natural instinct for touch. And so that lowers their stress and their anxiety at that time. Um, and then the group leaders were responsible for capturing moments. And so we had Polaroids and they would take pictures of them with that smile and that interaction. They decorate and they take that home. So for a moment in time, they get to remember when things were good, when life was stress-free. And then we do um, reading with pets. So that is our newest thing virtually. We do reading with pets across the nation. So now we have kids and now I'm just wanting to promote literacy. So it's not specifically for foster kids because they can't get on social media, but now it's just kids in general. I just need you to read for 10 minutes a day. So if that means you get to read at your place to an animal in, Hawaii, then do that. And we're gonna showcase that on Facebook Live or Instagram Live. So we're actually doing that this Saturday for our September event. And we do comfort packs. Um, that is our service project. So we know that foster care kids are just so quickly uprooted and they move from one place to the next. So we provide backpacks full of essential items and toiletries and things of that nature. And we distribute those out. So that's pretty much Pets Help the Heart Heal in a nutshell. Oh, there's so much good stuff going on here that I can't handle it. So, okay, students who are listening, what I really want you to take away from what Dr. Jones just said is you thinking about what can you do in your future practice to emulate a model like this. We can all be doing more for the community 
we can all be doing more to expose students to veterinary medicine, particularly underrepresented students in the field. We have the opportunity to be leaders. I mean, encouraging literacy is so important that you could be helping so many kids in a practice is so encouraging. And the fact that COVID hit, you guys didn't stop innovating. You're like, okay, what can we do now? We're gonna do this virtually. Everybody can be getting this creative. So I appreciate the work you're doing and now the brainstorming that can happen for everybody who's listening for the opportunities that they can make in their own practice. Tell me why you think it's so important for veterinarians to continue to give back to communities. I think that we have been so fortunate and blessed to reap the benefits of our career paths and our human animal bond that we have on a day-to-day -day basis. So to give back, I, I don't, for me, it's just natural. <laughs> I, I want to be able to take the benefit for me is that I get to do the two things that I love. I get to work with kids and I get to do veterinary medicine. So yeah, I could have gone and just volunteered at boys and girls club, or, you know, I could have Jack and Jill or, you know, and just been just a, a mentor in another place, but I get to take something that I love to do and make it engaging and encouraging. And so that's a blessing to me. I just feel like it's so, so important. And however you can do that in your community, you know, whether it is just even, you know, animal welfare or, you know, it doesn't have to be with kids, whatever it is, that you value and then you can take it and make it work and just and just give that give give of yourself give of your gifts and talents back to the community yes know your strengths know what you can give maybe you're really passionate about climate change or you're really passionate about end of life issues with humans in hospice there's a lot of things that a veterinary can do with animals and their practice to help all kinds of issues. It just takes getting creative. And if you're sitting, listening to this and you're like, creativity is not my thing, tell someone else who is creative what you're passionate about and let them brainstorm with you. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. Dr. Jones, we always ask our guests to talk about what personality traits do you think are important for a vet student, pre-vet, future veterinarian to have to be successful in the role that you're currently in, which would be small animal, general practitioner, entrepreneur, side hustle, extraordinaire. What kind of personality traits do you think are important for a pre-vet who wants to go into small animal GP? So personality traits, so I would say compassion, dedication, to be motivated, understanding. Ironically enough, even a little bit of discipline in terms of just your life and discipline and okay with saying no, how whatever trait we wanna put personality into doing that. Um, and oh gosh, there's just so many components that are there 
Um, ooh, forgiving. Absolutely. Um, I, that's, I'm learning that one myself moving forward um, as far as that goes. So I think those are the main ones that I am, that I think are very, very important. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure there's a word, you know, being able to have moments, put yourself in someone else's shoes, because that one I'm working on myself, <laughs> um, to, to better understand where they're coming from and kind of go from there. Wonderful. And what advice do you have for students who are listening, who are getting ready to apply in the application cycle? Maybe they're a few years out and they need to hear some strong advice. What would you tell them? So I would say, don't sweat the small stuff. I, I feel that what I'm seeing is a lot of students that come out, they want to take on the world and put the weight on the, of, the, of the world on their shoulders. And, you know, everyone says you just have to bite off one piece of the elephant at a time. And, and then at the end of the day, just breathe. Just breathe um, because there's always tomorrow. Agreed. Everybody who's listening right now, take a deep breath. Do a self-check on how you're feeling with your current situation, whether you're in school, at work, maybe you're a veterinarian and you're wondering if it's your job is fulfilling you in the places it needs to. I want to thank Dr. Jones for being on our podcast today. We're going to have to have her back so we can keep talking about family, skunks, and staying power. Thanks, Dr. Jones. Thank you so much. I'm Alex Avellino and we'll talk to you soon.